get into the word. Let us have a word of prayer and then we will move swiftly ahead. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for allowing us to be here on this Sabbath, um, resting for the week's labor, Lord. And we thank you for allowing us to sit here and to be still that you are God, reminding us that you are a creator and you are a recreator. Lord, you're longing to recreate your image in, our, in us. So Lord, right now I'm asking um, that you put your words in my mouth, Lord, that I may speak according to the thing that you have told me to speak, not of my own accord, or what you say. I'm also asking, Lord, for the Holy Spirit, you promise, Lord, that if we, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto our children, how much more will you give unto us the Holy Spirit if we ask? So right now, Lord, I'm asking for the Holy Spirit. Speak through me, speak through me. Open my heart, open the hearts of people listening and tuning in today. It's my simple but humble prayer. In all the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay. I'm not sure if you guys are aware, um, but this time last year, I remember the NEC were, were doing the Youth Week of Prayer on the topic of forgiveness and reconciliation. And during one of those sessions, I remember um, this time last year, one of those somber sessions, um, the somber news came in on the YouTube comments that said, we are now under official national lockdown. And since then, life has never been the same. COVID has taken our world by storm and changed all of our lives. Especially if you've had COVID in your house or you know someone that had COVID. A few months back, COVID infiltrated my household and as a result of that, my auntie had to self-isolate. And for those who have had COVID before you under in your house, you understand what I'm talking about you have to kind of tiptoe your way around the person that has COVID. And for me, that was my auntie. My room is right next door to hers. And every time that I wanted to go out of my room, I had to make sure she wasn't around. I had to avoid all form of contact. If she was speaking to me, or if she wanted some food from someone in the house, she had to shout or she had to call us on the phone, even though we were in the same house. She had to make sure the bathrooms were clean after each use, face mask in the house. It was simply just a mess. I remember one, during that time, one of our neighbors, um, old lady and her daughter knocked on our door and she needed help. But because um, we were under these restrictions, we couldn't leave the house, we couldn't help her because we possibly could have been contaminated. We were helpless. See, you may not have had COVID in your household like I have, but one thing that you can definitely agree with is this. This whole social distancing business, this whole we cannot talk, we cannot even hug, we cannot even firm each other, business has had a major impact on our mental and physical well-being. The Mental Health Foundation uh, recently published a study and they found out that at least 50%, at least 50% of 16 to 24 year olds have experienced lockdown loneliness. Maybe that's you. Studies have also shown that during lockdown, many people, there's been an increase in people reporting having suicidal thoughts. Depression has skyrocketed 
People have died in their homes and no one even knows. People are anxious, people are worried. See, the point is not being able to see people, especially loved ones, not being able to go outside, not being able to socialize, not being able to do the normal things that we love to do, the simple human functions which we've taken so much for granted has caused so much damage mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And it's only been a year. Imagine being under lockdown, being under these circumstances for 12 years, having to socially distance for 12 years. Imagine that. Turn with me to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, as we look at the woman with the issue of blood who had that for 12 years. Mark chapter 5. The title of today's message is A Mediocre Experience. A Mediocre Experience. While you're turning there, Mark chapter 5, um, please open your Bible if you have them um, on your phones, wherever you guys have. Um, Mark chapter 5, please follow me. While you're turning there, I'm going to give you a bit of context as to what's been happening so far in the book of Mark. Jesus has just been going around all of Galilee healing the people. He turned water into wine at Cana unfermented that one is he cast out unclean spirits from a man in a synagogue and other demon possessed people he healed simon's wife's mother of a fever and he also healed a leper and as a result of that mark 128 tells us that his fame spread all about the region of galilee and he could no more do any miracles openly and so he passed over onto the other side of the country of the gatherings and where he cast out unclean spirits out of a man that was possessed by a legion of demons and they were eventually cast out into the, into the swine and they went over into the sea. And as a result of that, the people, the local people, local farmers were not very happy with that. And so he went back on the other side of the sea and, and so we pick up the scene, Mark chapter five with that brief, context mark chapter 5 beginning from verse 21 if you're there please turn with me the title of today's message is a mediocre experience mark chapter 5 beginning from verse 21 i'll read and when jesus was passed over again by the ship on the other side much people gathered unto him and he was nigh unto the sea, and behold, and behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, I beg thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him. Jairus, that is, and much people followed him and thronged him. I'm hoping you can picture the scene that's happening so far. Imagine Oxford Street, imagine New York City on Christmas Eve. Jesus has just come into town, and as I can imagine, thousands of people are swarming around him. 
You see, as a result of his influence, Jesus, as a result of the work that he was doing in the community, Jesus accumulated a host of followers. And maybe you can just identify yourself with one of them. Some were following him because he was the talk of the town. Others because their families were. Some because it was now the new norm. Others because they had nothing better to do. Some because they did not want to feel left out and others for the privileges. Other ones just followed him to please those around them. See, Jesus had many followers, but not many disciples. The vast majority of the followers that he accumulated will later be the same hailing, Hosanna, Hosanna, son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord on his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Yet, however, some of them would also be the part of the same multitude that would be exclaiming, crucify him, crucify him, and choosing the infamous Barabbas over the infamous saviour. Jesus had many followers, but not many disciples. But amidst, in the midst, around the multitude of people thronging Jesus, verse 25 of Mark chapter 5, there was a certain woman, a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians. And she has spent all that she had, everything that she had, she has spent and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. This woman had an issue for 12 years. What issue are you dealing with today? As a result of her blood issue, according to Leviticus 15, she was ritually unclean. In modern English, she was excluded. She was isolated from all social and religious activities. She could not touch or be touched by anyone. If anyone came into contact with her, they would also have to be excluded. They would have to isolate for seven days. Everything she touched or came into contact with was unclean. But the woman's issue with blood was deeper than what we may assume. Leviticus 17, 11 tells us that the life of the flesh is in the blood. If the blood is polluted, the whole body is polluted too. And so with sin, you see, once sin enters into the system, it contaminates, it permeates, it infiltrates the whole being. And sin, once it's finished, as James 1 verse 5 tells us, sin, once it's finished, brings forth death for the wages of sin, the payment you get for sin, for the, for the salary you get for sin is death. And the reality is, we may have been socially distancing for over one year now, but there are many people, there are many of our friends, many of our family members, many of our church members, maybe even you listening today that have been socially distancing from church, that have been socially distancing from God for some time now. I was checking in on one of my friends 
school. I'm at university some years back and I hadn't talked to her for a while. So I messaged her, she came into my mind in prayer and I was thinking, let me just check up on her, how she's doing. I reached out to her and she responded to me with a long text message saying, Douglas, please pray for me. I am struggling. I'm on the verge of leaving God, not the church, leaving God. One of my other friends, I couldn't get a hold of him for months. For months, he was isolating himself from me, isolating himself from church, isolating himself from God. Why? Because of sin. They feel so ashamed because of his sin. People feel so ashamed because of their sin. They feel so ashamed because of what people say, what people think. They are afraid they will not be accepted back into the church. You see, naturally, naturally, sin brings shame and isolation. You know, you know what I'm talking about. I've been through this situation myself. I've, I've experienced it myself. I don't want to hang around my spiritual friends, my, my, my close Christian friends. Why? Because, well, sin. I don't want to pray. Why? Because sin. I don't feel like studying God's word. Why? Because I have sinned. The woman at the well in John 4, because of her sin, because of the life that she was living, isolated herself from the community. Not because she was socially awkward. No, no, no. We read later that she went around after she heard of Jesus, she told everyone about what, she, what happened. She was not socially awkward. It was because of her sin why she isolated herself from the community. Adam and Eve, when they had sinned, socially distanced themselves from God, not because they did not want to have a communion with God, no, 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 not because of that, but because they had sinned. They, had, they were ashamed of what they had done. They were afraid, so they hid themselves. Sin brings shame and isolation, and whether you believe it or not, it does not make it any less true. And even more true is this, that many people right now, people in your influence, people in your sphere who look like they have everything together, who look like their life is going okay, are socially distancing from God, socially distancing from church. And maybe that's even you right now. And if that's you, isolating yourself from church isolating yourself from god listen to what jesus is saying to you personally right now john 6 verse 37 jesus says this powerful words please into this john 6 verse 37 says him whoever anyone that comes to me i will in no wise cast out i will in no wise reject you One of the most potent books I've read, Steps to Christ, page 52. Listen to this carefully. Listen to this. Steps to Christ, page 52, says this. Jesus loves to have us come to him just as we are. Sinful, helpless, dependent. We may come with all of our weaknesses, our folly, our sinfulness, our filth, and fall at his feet in penitence, repentance. 
It is his glory, it is his desire, his longing to cleanse us, to encircle us, to encircle you in the arms of his love and to bind up our, to bind up your wounds, to cleanse us, to cleanse you from all your impurity, to cleanse you from all of your filth. Him that comes to me. I will in no wise cast out. Turn with me to Micah chapter 7. Micah chapter 7, verse 18. Micah chapter 7, verse 18. Micah is just between Nahum and Jonah. Micah chapter 7, verse 18, 19. Micah between Nahum and Jonah, just before the last few books of the Old Testament. Micah chapter 7, verse 18 and 19. Listen to this. <clears throat> Who is a God like unto thee? Who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. Speaking of God, he does not retain his anger forever. Why? Because he delights in mercy. What, what do you delight in? Maybe it's food, maybe it's traveling. God delights, he loves, he enjoys mercy. He will again, not for the first time, not for the second time, he will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. Speaking of God, you will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Listen, truly, if you confess your sins, 1 John 1 verse 9, truly, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all of your, of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Hebrews 8 verse 12, he will be merciful to your unrighteousness, he'll be merciful to your shortcomings, he'll be merciful to your fallings and your sins and your iniquities will he, God, remember no more. Him that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. During the American Civil War, which had dragged on for four blood-stained years, four blood-stained years. Someone asked President Lincoln, someone asked President Lincoln, when the war is won and the Southerners are back in the Union, how are you going to treat them? Listen to this. Abraham Lincoln responded, the President of the United States of America responded this. I'm going to treat them as though they had never been away. Listen, you who have been hiding from church, isolating yourself from God, when you come back into the union, when you come back into the union, God treats you as though you had never been away. His arms are outstretched, reaching out to you today. And But the question is, the question I want to ask you today is, is it your desire to come back to him? 
is it your desire to come back to him? His arms are outstretched. He's wondering, is it your desire to come back to him? Him that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. But maybe you're not hiding. Maybe you're not isolating yourself from church. Maybe you're not isolating yourself from God. But you're wrestling with sin. Tug of war with sin. You have been willfully indulging, because sin is a choice. You have been willfully indulging in some sin that, that always seems to get you. Just always seems to get you. You know what I'm talking about. We all experience this. Maybe it's that pride that has been fermenting in your heart. Maybe you are hooked on porn along with this counterpart masturbation. Maybe you simply love sleeping around. Maybe you have anger and hate in your heart brewing. You're dealing with covetousness. You love the taste of alcohol. You simply can't get enough of the raids and parties even during lockdown. I don't know what sins you have on repeat. I don't know what sins you have on loop. But you see, what happens in life is this only natural is that when things get tough, when we have been stuck in a certain bad situation, stuck in a cycle of abuse, stuck in a relationship that God has not ordained, whatever issue it may be in the beginning, in the beginning, we pop a fight. But the shackles that bind us to our issue seems not to loosen. We fight and we fight, we struggle and we struggle. And as time goes by the struggle, the fight, it gets tiring. You know what I'm talking about. It gets tiring. We get weary, we give up the fight, and we get used to the chains that Satan has bound us in for so long. It seems impossible. It seems impossible for us to break free. Listen, the woman who had the issue of blood 12 years, 12 years, what is binding you? What issue is binding you? A father and his little son were at the zoo one day, appreciating the animals as you can imagine. And the father noticed as he approached one of the animals, the elephant, the elephant was standing behind a gate that was much shorter than it. The gate wasn't even much bigger or much stronger than, than, than the elephant. The elephant was clearly much bigger and stronger than the gate. And as the father looked down with his son, analyzing the elephant, he saw on the elephant a little pink string on his leg. And the father's little son asked him in confusion, Dad, I don't understand. How, can, how come the elephant doesn't just break free from the pink string? How come he didn't just run out of the zoo? He is much bigger than the gate and is simply just a pink string. His father responded, well, son, when he was a baby elephant, they put a chain around his leg and, and, and he would try and break it. He would kick and he would kick and he would kick and he couldn't break free. 
And as he got bigger, they put a bigger chain on him. And the same thing would happen. He would kick and he would kick and he would kick with all of his power, with all of his might, but he could not break free. There was no success. And eventually the elephant realized that he could not break free. And when the keepers of the elephant also realized this, they simply put a pink string around his leg. See, the chain was no longer on his leg, but on the elephant's mind. As long as the elephant felt something on his leg, he didn't even try to break free. And so maybe you listening right now are in the same position as the elephant. Maybe you have been stuck in whatever chain, whatever sin in your life for many years now. Like the elephant, you have been kicking and kicking and kicking. Like the woman, you have tried everything. You have spent all of your money or whatever resources you have on many physicians, wherever they may be, but nothing seems to have been better, but actually rather grew worse. Satan has put in your mind, the thought in your mind, the little pink string on your mind that you can never break free from your sin. You can never overcome. In your mind, there's a little pink string holding you in bondage. Listen, your case, my case, is beyond human skill and power. There's nothing you or I can do in our mind to break free from the shackles of sin that hold us, that is binding us, that is binding you. There's nothing in your power that can break down the strongholds that Satan has set up in your life. Turn me to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 4. New Testament, 2 Corinthians. Listen to this, <clears throat> Paul speaking. The church at Corinth. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I want to ask you this. I want you to, to just, just to think. What weapons have you been using in your warfare of sin? What physicians have you been going to? Our weapons are not carnal. Uh -uh. Those carnal weapons, whatever it may be that you're using to fight against sin, it's not going to work. I've tried it before, but it's not going to work. I've gone round and round in circles trying different things. It's not going to work. Listen, Jeremiah 13 verse 23 says this, can an Ethiopian change his skin? Or a leopard it spots. Then may you, may then may me and you do good, which are accustomed, it's in our accustomed to do evil. 
the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but almighty who through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Satan in our battle with sin has set up strongholds in our minds. A stronghold is a strongly defended position, especially in war. Satan has strongholds in our lives. He has placed that little pink string in our minds that we cannot overcome our sin, that we cannot overcome sin. Listen, I don't know what stronghold he has put in your life, but today the message is, today Jesus is saying to you, he's going to pull down those strongholds. He's going to break every chain that is binding you. He's going to set you free because when the son of man, when Jesus sets you free, you are free indeed. But however, it's not by might, it's not by power, by my spirit says the Lord. We're still in Mark chapter five. Please turn back there. Mark chapter five, we're still there. <clears throat> the woman issued blood for 12 years was fed up with life, fed up of isolation, fed up of being in bondage, and maybe you feel the same way right now. Mark chapter 5, verse 27, listen to this. But when she heard of Jesus, Mark chapter 5, verse 27, but when she heard of Jesus, there's song I love the lyrics to, it says, there is power in the name of Jesus, to break every chain, to break every chain. First Corinthians 4.20 tells us that the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. The word, the word power used in the original language is dunamis, the same word we get the word dynamite from. Romans 1.16 tells us, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power, the dunamis, the dynamite of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. The gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ and came to die for me and you is not simply just a fairy tale. It is power. It is dunamis. It is dynamite. Not just any power, but it is the power of God unto salvation, but to everyone that believes. The question is, do you believe? When she heard of Jesus, back to the text, when she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway, the fountain of her youth, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And immediately, immediately, knowing in himself that virtue, the word here for virtue is the same word dunamis, when virtue, when power had gone out of him, Jesus, he turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? 
You see, once you realize that Jesus is the only option, once you realize, once you hear of Jesus, once you hear he is the only solution to your problem, he's the only solution to you coming out of the cycle of sin that you've been trapped in, you're not going to worry about anyone else. You're not going to worry about what other people think. The woman was ritually unclean. She was prohibited from all social and religious activities. She didn't care that she was going to contaminate everyone else. She wanted to break free from the issue that was binding her for 12 years. Listen, picture the scene. Jesus was thronged by the multitude. Picture the scene. Jesus in the center of the multitude and the woman pressed with all determination, not allowing circumstances to be a hindrance. She touched, listen, she touched just the hem. She touched just the edge, just the border of the garment. It wasn't even a full contact. Just the hem. Just the hem. You see, Jesus' power is ever flowing. It is always available 24 7, 365 days of the year. And faith, faith receives as much as it desires. How much of Jesus' power do you desire? The reservoir of power, the dunamis, the dynamite from Jesus is always full. It never, ever runs dry. But how few, how few of us, how very few of us have learned the secret of tapping into the power Jesus is always having available for us. You see, the once the woman realized the power that she could access from Jesus, she touched just the hem of the garment and straight away she was healed. When you come into a genuine contact with you, now I'm going to talk about a fake, fake contact with Jesus, a, a simple brush. When you come into a genuine contact with Jesus, not a casual touch, you are healed immediately. You are made whole mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. One of my girlfriends, his testimony always blows me away. He was struggling with drug addiction for many years. Struggling so much, he gave up on it. It's a fact where even giving Bibles to his smoking weed. Crazy. But God has mercy for him. Right, he was and one night he came to his bed and he was praying and he said, Lord, I am sick and tired of the drug addiction. I need you to break me free right now. And guess what? The same night, from that night onwards, he was free from his drug addiction. Listen, immediately. Jesus is not waiting to give you victory over your sin tomorrow. Uh-uh. Today he is saying, You are free. Today he is saying, you are free. But the question is, why are we? Why are you not having the victory over sin as promised in God's word? Why are we still struggling with the same sins that so easily beset us? 
Mark chapter 5, verse 30, we read on. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue, that power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And multitude, and the disciples, sorry, the disciples said to him, Thou seest the multitude young in thee. Just picture the scene. Jesus, how are you going to ask who touched you? There are multitudes around you. That's a silly question, Lord. How are you going to ask who touched you? When the multiple people, the thousands, I can imagine of people thronging me. How are you going to ask who touched me? You see, many, although many were in the presence of the Son of God, the majority were having a mediocre encounter with him. They were having a mediocre experience with the Savior. But the woman, desperate, hopeless, but hopeful, was longing for something more than a mediocre experience with the Savior. She was not content with merely being in the presence of Jesus, she desired a moving, life-converting, life-changing experience with him. Too often, so often, I come to church, whether physically or on Zoom, as we have been this, this past year, I come to church one way and leave the same. I come to my morning devotion, I come to my morning devotion one way and leave the same. I come to prayer one way, prayer which does not bring God down to my level, but prayer brings me up to God's level. I come to prayer one way and leave the same. I come to his all-powerful word which sustains our being. I come to it that sustains the whole universe one way and leave the same. Listen to, listen to this potent scripture. Psalms 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And all the hosts of them, by the breath, by his words, by the breath of his mouth. Hebrews 1, verse 3. God is upholding all things by the word of his power. I come to his word one way and leave the same a mediocre experience, denying the power, denying the dunamis thereof. How can I be in the presence of the holiest God? How can I be in the presence of God and leave the same? A mediocre experience. A mediocre experience why don't we experience this touch of faith journey why don't we experience this touch of faith experience on a daily basis why we don't believe we don't believe Hence, Luke 18, verse 8, Jesus says this solemn words. Luke 18, verse 8, he says, he asks a solemn question. Jesus says, when the Son of Man, as in Jesus, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? 
Faith is relying on the word of God. Faith is trusting in the word. Faith is changing our reality for his reality. Faith is taking the next step, even though we don't see it. We walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is believing that God has already given you the victory over your sin. Faith is believing that God has made a way of escape even when you don't feel it. He, you believe that he made a way of escape even though you don't feel it. Faith is believing, as Romans 8 verse 37 says, that you are not just a conqueror. Don't limit God. Mm. You're not just a conqueror. Don't limit God, please. You are not just a conqueror, but no, the Bible says this, you are more than a conqueror. Who? Through Jesus that loves you. I was in a common room one session and <clears throat> we're dealing with the issue of drug addiction. And it hit me for the first time when my friend Lyndon said this. Listen to this so carefully. He says, do you know when God gave you the power, the dunamis, the power over your sins, the power for victory over your sins through Christ? Do you know when God gave you the power? The first time you asked, you just didn't believe it. God gave you the power the first time you asked. You just don't, you just didn't believe it. When you ask, when you come into contact with Jesus through his all powerful word he has given you the victory he has given you the power you and i need to walk like we believe it first john 5 4 says this this is the victory this is the victory what's the victory this is the victory that overcomes the world. What's the victory? Even our faith. Listen, it's not that God's word isn't powerful enough. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. It's our faith. Because God has already given us victory in and through Jesus. He has given us the victory in and through Jesus. And only through that medium can we have victory over the sin that so easily besetting us. So right now, as we close, I want you to just close your eyes and picture this scene. Close your eyes and picture this scene. 
Jesus Christ, God with us, hanging there on the tree. Thick, thick inch nails in his hands and his feet. And as Jesus sags there, as he sags there, it is not the nails that kept him there. No, 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 don't miss the point. It was not the nails that kept him there. No, it was his love for you and for me that kept him on that tree. Jesus didn't die for you, for me, when you and I were living our best life in him. Mm -mm. He didn't die for you when you were on the praise and worship team leader at the front at church. No. He didn't die for you when you graduated from mission school. Mm -mm. He didn't die for you when you got that university degree. No, he didn't. He didn't die for you when your, your, your business was booming. He didn't die for you when your devotion was going great. He didn't die for you when, when, when you, your time, your prayer time, your communion time was going great with him. No, 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 no. Don't miss the point. Jesus died for you when you were deep, deep in the abyss of your sins. When me and you were committing high treason against the government of God, when you and I were on the enemy's side, when you and I were yet sinners, Christ died for me and for you. And right now, I present you Christ that came to seek and save that which was lost. You and I. My appeal this afternoon is, is simple. Maybe you have been isolating from church. Maybe you have been isolating from God. And today, today, right now, right here, you want to say, Lord, Lord, Jesus, just as I am, just as I am, I come. Sinless, helpless, I come. And you want to recommit yourself to him. You have fallen away and you want to recommit yourself to him, whether that's through rebaptism or you simply just want to be back in connection with him. If that is you, Listening right now, wherever you are, just kneel where you are and I'll pray for you. If you've been isolating yourself from church, isolating yourself from God, and you want to recommit yourself to him, whether that's through just coming back into connection with him, whether that's through rebaptism, I want you just to kneel where you are. Listen, no one sees you. Don't worry about anything else. This is between you and God. I don't see you. Is between you and God. Just kneel where you are. Second appeal. It's for those who have been wrestling with sin. In a cycle with sin. And you simply want to say, Lord, today you have given me the victory. And right now, right here, Right now, I want to believe and accept that promise. 
that I am more than a conqueror through you because you love me. If you want to say, Lord, I believe that promise helped my unbelief. If that is you, you yourself as well, kneel where you are and I'll pray. Wherever you are, just kneel where you are, get any reverent position where you are, I'll pray for you. I'll just leave a few moments for those who are tuning, who have tuned in, wherever you are, just to make a decision. You want to recommit yourself to him, whether that's through rebaptism or, or simply come back into connection. You want to say, Lord, here I am. Just kneel where you are. If you want to believe God's promises and say, Lord, I believe you, I am more than a conqueror and today you've given me the victory. I claim that in your name. Just kneel where you are. And I'll pray. Let's pray. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you have given us the victory over sin. And Lord, many people, many people in our sphere of influence have been isolating from you. And those who are home who have kneeled and who have desired in their heart, they want to come back into communion with you. Lord, you've seen their heart, you've seen the decision. Lord, please, Lord, give them the strength to come back to you. Because you promised you would not cast them out. And whether that's through rebaptism, whether that's through simply connection with you, Lord, please impress upon their hearts to come back to you. And for those, Lord, who are also kneeling and have been wrestling with sin for some time now, and they want, Lord, they're here right now. I can't see them, but you see them, Lord. And they want to recommit yourself, and they want to say, Lord, I believe your promise that more than the conqueror. Lord, you've seen them. Please, I'm asking for your Holy Spirit, because it's not by might, nor by power, but by spirit, says the Lord. They want to have a victory over sin. They want to recommit themselves to you. They are kneeling. They are in a reverent position where they are, or in their hearts. They're saying, Lord, they want to come back to you and have a victory over sin. Please, Lord, your power is unlimited, and we're asking for an outpouring of it right now, today. This simple but humble prayer, in no other name but Jesus. Amen.